Welcome to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where we trade in personal finance advice for entertaining conversation about money and millennials. Welcome, welcome world to yet another episode and edition of Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm, where we cover everything money and millennials. Malcolm, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Just another day, another dollar, as they say. Indeed, indeed, as they say. Um, Well, real quick housekeeping item. This is actually our second to last show before the end of this season of shows. And of course, before the year turns over from 2018 to 2019 uh so just a little uh footnote for people who are listening and watching uh to manage your damn money um but i have some interesting news for you over this past weekend okay um something something that i think you have specific interest in uh my wife and i went to go uh look at cars actually because you have my interest so far What's that? You have my interest so far. Uh, so we obviously, as everyone knows who's been listening and watching the show, we now have triplet girls and we need a new car that can fit everybody in one car rather than shuttling with two cars so around one town. kind of car that can do that. <laughs> so we went to the dealership of the, of the place where we currently have a lease and just to see what they were talking about, see if we could leverage anything. Um, and we drove, we, we test drove two cars, one of which you'll be happy to find out was a Chrysler Pacifica, a van. And there are moments in life where you figure out or like you feel something that you know. And people say you're not supposed to speak in absolutes. Like I'll never do X, Y, Z, right? Like I I think I said, I'll never have more than two kids. But I think you told me you'll never buy a house when we first met. Really? Was that like five years ago when we met? Something like that? I think. I think you told me you will never buy a house back then too, right? So you're demonstrating exactly why you shouldn't speak in absolutes. Um, it was an experience when I test drove the van. It was like, oh, this is like an awful experience. <laughs> like I literally sat in the van and was like, this sucks. Like I feel like my self-esteem is much lower now as a result of sitting in this seat. The salesperson, the funny thing is we drove one really nice car, okay. which I'll tell you about. Um, and then we kind of did the um, the van for like just entertainment purposes. For my entertainment. For everyone's entertainment. <laughs> um, and so we 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 have been dying for this. You and a couple other people. And so we got in the car, and the sales guy, he was trying to like show us another option because I think he was trying to hook us with like you like this car and this car, and maybe you'll stay and get the other one. One of the things he felt the need to show us was the fact that the one of the back seats folds into the floor. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's so stupid. Why would I want a seat that folds into the floor? Now, I can understand. You don't shop at Costco yet. <laughs> you, 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 you aren't full on uh-huh. dad of three right. until you have tried to drag your kids and your Costco packages uh-huh. 
all in at the same time. Right. Because your wife is busy doing something else. Okay. And so it's just you and three screaming kids uh -huh. and all those pallets of right. stuff. Right. I, I, I watch those people as I get out of my Jeep at Costco and chuckle and, right. you know, throw them a wink and a gun. <laughs> you got this. So those seats folding into the ground, uh, from what I can tell, are hilarious. imperative uh, when you go to Costco. That's funny. So it's just there specifically for Costco. As far as I know, I don't go other places that people with three kids go. So <laughs> well, um, another thing, too, interesting, now that we're looking at cars, we're in that, like, space between let's make this responsible financial decision, Hyundai, $100,000 warranty, or $100,000, 100,000-mile warranty, and then the irresponsible, slightly more expensive choice that keeps me looking fly, like a... Dodge Durango with a V8 engine that when you turn it on, it sounds like a beast. That gas mileage yeah. is going to matter to you more and more. Indeed. As uh, those 529s start getting filled up and <laughs> kids need diapers and all that. So right. I have a feeling that Durango with the Viper engine uh -huh. isn't going to happen. I, I, I think but you're stay right. stay tuned. I think you're right. I, ho I hope you're right for my own financial sake. Um, but of course, I want to quickly preview the conversation at hand for this episode. Um, in this episode, we're talking about becoming an entrepreneur, but not starting from scratch. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to do what we always do on this show. It is now time for headlines. Workers are ghosting their employers like bad dates. This was a winter 2018 piece on the Washington Post. Um, it read Economist report that workers are starting to act like millennials on Tinder. They're ditching their jobs with nary a text. A number of contacts said they had been quote unquote ghosted, a situation in which a worker stops coming to work without notice and then is impossible to contact. The Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago noted in December's beige book, which tracks employment trends, um, national data on economic ghosting is lacking. The term, which usually applies to dating, first surfaced in 2016 on dictionary.com, but companies across the country say silent exits are on the rise. Analysts blame Malcolm America's increasingly tight labor market. Um, job openings have surpassed the number of seekers for eight straight months, and the unemployment rate has clung to a 49-year low of 3.7% since September. Uh, so Malcolm, have you ever heard or even previously considered the notion of you or friends or anyone else just walking off the job and just like not going back? No, this is stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and and that essentially was my reaction uh -huh. when I first saw this and was like, no way. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a place that I'm going to have to 100% side with society <laughs> that says millennials are ruining the world. Okay. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Okay, tell me Because why. we won't be in this tight of labor market forever. Sure. We're more likely at the end than we are at the beginning sure. or the middle. Absolutely. Which means at some point, you could find yourself doing that jump uh -huh. right at a time when it's last hired, first fired. Right. And then you will be in a position to need to tighten up that resume. Right. And you'll need to be able to put on the work of what right. you did before the place you just got laid off from. Absolutely. And that's a place where you bet not put their information on your resume and give somebody authorization to call and ask for a reference or whatever else. Y'all heard that bet not. Bet not. Bet not. All right. So why would you put yourself in the position mm -hmm. to have to need them more than they need you later on down the road? Right. Like, I understand that's kind of where we've gotten to culturally. People are idiots and don't think it's <laughs> necessary to give people their proper respect, uh -huh. basically, mm -hmm. and just say, hey, had a great time meeting you. 
don't want to date anymore, bye. <laughs> and you're doing that through text, right? right? You don't even have to pick up the phone and call the person or go meet them face-to-face like you did in the olden days of the 90s. Right. Now you literally just have to fire off one text and people can't be bothered to give that same decorum. Right. Which is, frankly, part of the reason I'm glad to be out of the game and getting married soon and I don't have to worry <laughs> about that crap. Indeed. The old man in me is just not ready to deal with that new world that we're in. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Uh, the article went on to say janitors, baristas, welders, accountants, and engineers, they're all in demand. Um, more people may opt to skip tough conversations and slide right into their next job. Um, recruiters at a global staffing firm have noticed a 10 to 20% increase in ghosting over the past year. Um, and then also applicants blew off interviews, new hires turn into no-shows, Working workers leave one evening and never return. Just um, send an email. <laughs> while ghosting in the United States does not require that level of backup planning, consultants urge employers to build meaningful relationships at every stage of the hiring process. Um, somebody quoted in the piece said, employers leave jobs that suck, jobs where they're abused, jobs where, they're don't, where they don't care about the work, and the less engaged they are, the less need they feel to give their bosses any warning, of course, of their departure. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, the thought that I had was, has 45 created an economy where now people could just dip and that's what it is now? Well, I'll say this. With everything else that the president has touched, mm-hmm. this too is going to come crumbling down at some point. <laughs> And I would hate to be the one caught in the middle right. and, and wondering how is this happening. Right. So I wouldn't put too much stock in, oh, the economy is so great, I can right. get away with this and I'm going to do X. Because at some point, uh-huh. it's kind of like musical chairs. Right. The music is going to stop right. and everybody else is going to have a job but you. Right. Everybody so- else is going to be fine right. and, and taken care of, but you're the one in the middle of that hop because, you know, so I'm a comes back. I'm gonna give you opportunity to be a super old man. If you were to tell a young person who was thinking they were gonna quote unquote ghost their job okay. tomorrow because they had another job that was gonna give them a $5 increase per hour. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, I'm not even gonna w- waste time with doing two week notice thing and working another two weeks at my old job. What would you tell that young person who's like 26 or whatever? What would I tell them? Me, Malcolm, personally yes as my younger brother or the guy on the show wearing a suit who is buttoned up and because you know me me is gonna tell him you're an idiot and don't you dare because think about it this way Uh if uh, back to dating right because we're talking about ghosting being a term of online dating right what signal does it send to your new significant other Mm. if you were the kind of person that when they met you you were willing to ghost the person you were with to get with them right what signal does it send to your new employer Mm -hmm. if you don't even have the uh, interest or respect for your former employer to give them not even two weeks notice just notice that you are leaving this job and going to take another one somewhere else right so that they know not to include you in tomorrow's plan right right so that alone tells me all I need to know about you as the new employer. Right. And now I'm thinking about you differently right. and maybe waiting on you to go from here too. Right. Once a cheater, always a cheater, as I right. say. Once a ghoster, always a ghoster, right? <laughs> like, what? why would you do us any differently? That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, uh, the suggestion that we give you for manager damn money, don't ghost your employer. Give that two weeks notice just to make sure you're protecting your long-term viability in the job market. Uh, of course, we want to remind people, you always catch past episodes of Manager Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Of course, please leave us a review on any of those platforms. It helps more people 
Apple Catch the Show. And of course, if you have a question for us or you want us to cover a particular topic, send it to us, info at managerdamnmoney.com. And of course, you can always follow us on social media. Malcolm, what's your handle? Uh, at Malcolm on Money. And of course, mine is at MYDM with a one on the end, and that's on Twitter and Legram. And of course, you can catch us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash money. This is MYDM with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. Thanks for listening to Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Are you interested in more entertaining fare covering money and millennials? Treat yourself to a copy of my book, Fictitious Financial Fairy Tale, a completely untrue story about money, friends, and Moscow mules. Available now on Big Brother. I mean, Amazon. It's packed with laughs and will look great on your living room coffee table. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm, on today's episode, we have a very interesting topic um, on our second to last show of the year and of this season, uh, becoming an entrepreneur, but not starting from scratch. Here on MYDM, we often talk about entrepreneurs who are working on an idea that they know is going to change the world. But what if your entrepreneurial dreams aren't motivated by some amazing idea you just have to get out, but a desire to make a majority of the money in the business? What if you want to what if what you want to do is become a business owner explicitly to bring home the bacon? On this episode of Manager Damn Money, we are exploring alternative paths to entrepreneurship that skip some of the natural growing pains of building something from scratch and have paths drawn to potential entrepreneurial success, Malcolm. Uh, so this is an interesting topic. I don't even remember it. We came up with the show a little while ago, a long while ago. Do you remember like the origin of it or no? I remember us talking about the fact that like Social media, I hate, I, I, I hate and I don't hate blaming social media for all the world's problems, but we were talking about one day how social media makes it look so easy to right. go start a business, right. sell the business, go start it, scale it, and sell it. Right. And the fact that like a lot of times it's not necessary right. to do all that. Right. A lot of times you can buy into a, a business that already exists for right. a few thousand dollars or you know whatever. So right, there's a lot of different options, uh, and we just wanted to cover a few of them so you, you and the people were aware of them. Uh, the first option with lots of side eyes and skepticism from my co-host Malcolm, <laughs> uh, multi-level marketing. Multi-level marketing is a strategy some direct sales company uses to encourage their existing distributors to recruit new distributors by paying the existing distributors a percentage of their recruitment sales. Uh, the recruits are distributors quote unquote downline. Companies get to bypass physical stores, opting for network-based sales who are consultants, paid a percentage of what they sell. Um, all distributors also make money through direct sales of products to customers. Uh, Amway, um, also, what's the one, a is Avon? 
Avon a- counts a- Mary Kay. Avon, Mary Kay. Um, example. These are examples of well-known direct sales companies that use multi-level marketing. Um, so an interesting story that we pulled for this piece was would you join a multi-level marketing company for retirement income and this was actually a piece from 2014 from forbes.com by robert robert laura Um, at some point in your life you've been pitched a multi-level marketing opportunity um, direct selling or network marketing business opportunity while the pitch varies from company to company it basically promises a chance to ditch your nine to five work schedule be your own boss and make lots of money it sounds good on paper yet there is a seemingly endless debate over whether these companies and programs are legitimate business opportunities or not and malcolm you're going to get into your skepticism in that front in just a minute um with the average 50 year old estimated to have less than 50 thousand dollars in retirement savings there is an obvious need to find alternative ways to either save or generate supplemental income starting now and continuing throughout retirement Uh, moving beyond just dollars and cents boomers in particular are growing tired of feeling bad or guilty about their past savings habits and are interested in moving forward with possible solutions Um, multi-level marketing and direct selling programs also offer very low barriers to enter entrepreneurship um, often providing training support and ample encouragement along the way malcolm uh, so I think we kind of described it. Did I miss anything in terms of what multi-level marketing is, or did, did that really make sense? No, I think one thing that you glossed over was the downline-upline relationship, okay. where basically the more people you convince to come into the business after you that right. are directly tied to you, the right. more people who you profit off of their future sales. Right. So the less selling then you have to do to make the same money. Mm-hmm. Unless you're good at recruiting, right? That is a vital piece that a lot of times goes missing. Right, absolutely. Um, and then uh, something that I'm immediately thinking of is, do you remember the first time you were approached about a multi-level marketing opportunity? I'm assuming you have been. I the know I was. First time. The first or more. I can't say, but the fact that it happens more often than I would like, still, <laughs> even though like there's a whole post on my Facebook page dedicated to uh, "Don't come at me with that mess, or uh, we won't be." friends anymore <laughs> the fact that even then it's i still every once in a while uh-huh. we'll get a text message or a, uh in inbox uh-huh. from somebody that i haven't talked to in 10 years uh-huh. that's like uh you know a very vague question like <laughs> could you use an extra two thousand dollars a month if so uh-huh. respond to this message and right. let's talk right uh, come on man i i have a, I have a really hilariously unique story um, while I was working at the Sunglass Hut in uh, Lake Forest Mall in Gaithersburg, Maryland, with a master's degree, working as an assistant manager at a with at a we store, got to start somewhere. Right, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so I, I was in a position of like I, I wanted something else to be the case. Right. I had this guy come up to me. He was like older, like much older, like retirement age. And he was like, hey, man, have you ever, have you ever, he, he, he was vague and I didn't know what he was really talking about at first. So I think I took a lunch break one day and had, sat down with him at the food court at the mall. And he started drawing pictures and saying, what kind of car do you want? And da, 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 da. You know what car I told him? Just out of my own amusement, I was like, I want a Prius. <laughs> and I think this was like maybe the second or third time that I heard multi-level marketing and knew what it was before he was coming at me once he like kind of revealed his hand. Right. Um, and then he like came by after I told him no and was like, hey man, we about to do this and do that. And I'm like, dude, you're like 72. Why are you like, it's nice to see you, but get out of here with all that. So you're anyway. Just, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can pyramid scheme at any age, okay? <laughs> Um, That's true. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, 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 
beyond annoy me. Okay. I guess is the, okay. the, the way that I'll, I'll and there's a lot of a handful of professions that fit into that same bucket. Sure. That just I, and also I should I guess preface this mm-hmm. by saying I am one of the worst people ever to try and sell something to. Okay. If I don't already want it, I right. know that I wanted it when I left the house. Right. I am the worst person to try and sell something to. Sure. So there's that aspect of it too. Like salespeople trying to sell me things right. even after i've said no i know the whole mantra don't take no for an answer right. turn that no into a yes and whatever uh-huh. but like for me a no was a no right so just don't waste your time right. go find your next customer and leave me the heck alone but right. then it, it insists and then i'm like okay you, you guys all are terrible you've ruined <laughs> it for everybody indeed um investor investopedia says this about multi-level marketing it's a legitimate business strategy though it is controversial one problem is pyramid schemes mm-hmm. um which use money from new recruits to pay the people at the top often they take advantage of people by pretending to be engaged in legitimate multi-level marketing you can spot pyramid schemes by their greater focus on recruitment than on the sales of the product. That's, so that's problem number one for me. Okay, what's that? How so? That I I I come into contact with more people mm-hmm. who tell me that they're worse off than they were before they started. Oh wow. Financially. Okay. So I'm coming into this thing because I was told that I can buy my dream Prius mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can tell my wife to retire tomorrow. Right. And we're gonna ride off into the sunset and move to Aruba at forty. Absolutely. But then I had to put all these products that I was I need a startup right. on my credit card right. at 25% interest. Right. Or I had to go borrow money from my friend and my bank and whoever else to meet my sales minimums right. to stay in the club and be allowed to sell products. Right. All those kinds of things are the stories that I hear, not the person who is like, look at me, I'm doing it. Right. I just bought my third rental property and I've got the house in Aruba and I'm right. retiring next year at my 40th birthday. Right. I never meet that person. <laughs> so I need the other side of the coin if it exists. Do you know anybody personally who has successfully turned this into I, a poster? Anecdotally, I've heard of it. Um, but real quick, a couple a, a couple more items that Investopedia brings up, um, which you mentioned. An issue in determining legi- the legitimacy of a multi-level marketing company is whether it sells its products primarily to consumers or to its members who recruit new members to buy their products, which is what you just said when you're putting maybe the product and the product purchases on a credit card. Um, if it's the former, the company is legitimate multi-level marketer. If it's the latter, it could be an illegal pyramid scheme. Uh, the Federal Trade Commission has been investigating multi-level marketing companies for several decades, and has found many that blur the lines between the two. Um, according to industry data, there are 90 million members worldwide, but relatively few earn meaningful income from their efforts. Uh, to some observers, that reflects the characteristics of a pyramid scheme. Um, and so I've heard of people doing multi-level marketing situations that work to some extent. Um, to some, some of it, I think, works as much as you work it um, to some, some degree. And I, I've heard both sides. Like I've had, I think that's sales of any kind. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's just an interesting thing. But it is something where if it is legitimate people can jump in, do a relatively small amount compared to starting an entire business from scratch. Sure. Um, so that's a little bit interesting piece on one way to kind of cut the corner, so to speak, and becoming an entrepreneur. Um, we're gonna take another quick music break, but before we do, I wanna remind you that you can always catch past episodes of Manage Your Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Google Play, and Spotify. Please, please, please leave us a review on any of those platforms that helps more people catch our show. If you have a question for us or for Malcolm, send us, a, send us your question, info at managerdamnmoney.com. And of course, you can always catch us on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at MYDM with a one on the end. Malcolm, what's yours? Uh, at Malcolm on money. And of course, you can always catch us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash managerdamnmoney. This is MYDM with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. Welcome back to Manager Dead Money with a bit of Malcolm. We're on this episode, we're talking about becoming an entrepreneur, but not starting from scratch, Malcolm. We talked about one little idea that we had, which was uh, talk a little bit about multi-level marketing, a little thing that people might not know exists. Um, but another thing that we thought of in terms of cutting corners to becoming an entrepreneur, um, becoming the owner of a franchise business, Malcolm. This is a real serious one. And I think fast food joints, printing shops, and all kinds of brick and mortar stores are well known for being franchises, Malcolm. If you drive down any street with stores on them, right. a lot of times they'll be franchises, especially if it's a company that you're familiar with. Um, a franchiser is a company which sells the right to open stores and sell products or services using its brand, know-how, and intellectual property to a franchise. The franchiser receives an initial startup fee and an annual fee or percentage of the branch's profits. It may also charge for other services. Um, franchising is a good way for franchisers to increase market share and geographical reach while minimizing capital expenditure. Um, of course, franchise, franchises can be more profitable than corporate-owned chains because franchises are incentivized to maximize the profitability of their outlets and are responsible for overhead like staff. Reduced corporate overhead can make franchises more profitable, even when its outlets are less profitable than they would be if they were run as chain stores. Um, and finally, a franchise is a joint venture between a franchiser and a franchisee. The franchiser is the original or existing business which sells the right to use its name and the idea. The franchisee is the individual who buys into the original company by purchasing the right to sell the franchise's goods or services under the existing business model and trademark. Biggest franchise that we know of that immediately comes to mind. What are you going to say, Malcolm? Gotta be McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <laughs> also known I think as... they have, what, 30,000 locations around the world at this point? Absolutely, absolutely. You, you know what I was thinking about McDonald's? Like, who came up with Mickey D's as, like, the McNickname? Hmm. Where did, did that originate? Did you just intentionally call it the McNickname? Did I say McNickname? Okay, it wasn't on purpose. Then. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> Who came up with Mickey D's as, like, the nickname for McDonald's? I can tell you. Probably some brother from Brooklyn. <laughs> just happened to, like, you know, 
Misty. Add a little bit of cool to it, right. and then it just stuck. Right. Uh, We're going to make a deal. <laughs> What's that, man? That's good. Because that's been around my whole life. It's so, been around you know, it had to be 80s, 70s slang that, like, just, it became their thing. Indeed. And it's universal, too. Right. So, uh, anyway. Um, so, here are some well-known franchise businesses. Um, we pulled a few from the top franchises in the world. Um, this was from Business Insider. Um, the first one, we're actually going to tell you the actual store and then how much it costs to actually start a franchise. That's the most amazing part. Yeah, because some of these how are... How much or how little it actually costs to get into that business. Some of these are a lot lower than I would think. Um, but the first one is one that everyone is familiar with. Uh, 7-Eleven, always open. Uh, the cost to open is between, and I don't understand this range, but between $37,000 and $1.6 I don't know if it has anything to do with the size or location. I think the th so the $36,000 is probably the initial fee okay. that you have to pay to 7-Eleven mm -hmm. to even allow you to become a franchisor. Okay. And then you've got things like, are you going to rent your real estate from us? Right. Are you going to go uh, lease it yourself? These are the variables. Right. Okay. So all of those variables wrapped in, you know, how much of our help do you want? Right. Every time you ask us for more help, it's more money. we need to see more money. Right. So I think that's probably the big disparity. The first lowest value has got to be this is how much you've got to cut us a check for tomorrow morning to even allow you to begin the process interesting interesting another one that everyone's familiar with and i think that not too long ago i read an article that said they were actually closing or kind of winnowing down the number of stores they have subway mm -hmm. and the entry fee to get into there is a uh, $116,000 starting and then the higher end is, uh, is the higher end is $263,000 um, then another one which is interesting, which it's not surprising, but it's still like, oh yeah, G and C, mm -hmm. the vitamin shop. Um, the entry the entry amount there is one hundred sixty seven thousand dollars, with the high end being two hundred ninety four thousand um, dollars. And then of course, as we mentioned, McDonald's um, with a very high marker. You got to be paid already. Well, you can borrow it. You could borrow. There it. are banks that have an entire uh, franchising business banking model ah, I see. that they want the people going to start a McDonald's franchise right. to come to them for the startup capital because they know McDonald's isn't going to let you fail. That's tried and true. So they're like, we'll give you a million bucks. Sure, right. go run that McDonald's because right. we know we'll get it back eventually. Right. And that's, uh, McDonald's is between a million and 2.3 million. Then another one, uh, this is on the lower end in my view, uh, Baskin Robbins, the entry starting amount there is $102,000 and it goes up to three hundred. $88,000. Um, and then also, this one I'm not familiar with. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. JanPro? Hadn't heard of it until I read the article. Okay, so this is something that neither of us know about, but I guess it's like a cleaning service. Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, $3,100, between $3,100 and $50,000. So but it's a really interesting end. model. Yeah. Like, they basically send people to clean office buildings. Right. And as franchisees, you get the benefit of the company's trust your brand because right. you're a franchisee. Mm -hmm. And they give you the contract that if you and I want to start, you know, Ben and Malcolm cleaning right. tomorrow, they be like, well, who the heck are these guys? I'm not right. going to give you anything. Right. But if we start it with somebody else's name to give us validation, mm -hmm. you're off to the races. Right. So it's that's an interesting one to me that I never would have even conceived as a franchise model absolutely um and this next one people are going to be familiar with it because it is coming up they're changing years and we're coming up to, into tax season uh once we step into 2019 uh 
we always see them pop up in random places all right. around town. H&R Block, which is a tax servicing company, um, and they all—if you've ever walked into like H&R Block, it looks like oh, this is just like a pop-up store. Yeah. Like it's not here for good; it's just here for a limited time. It reminds me of the Halloween store I used to work at in high school, <laughs> where right. they rent space in a in a building that used to be a grocery store or something. Right. They're there for three months. Right. You can tell they're there for three months. Right. And then when it's gone, it's gone. Absolutely. That's exactly what it reminds me of. Right. And to start at H&R Block, it says was uh, $31,000. And then the higher end is $148,000. Um, and then finally, Malcolm, what you thought was interesting, something you would drive by and not really notice or think about, Jiffy Lube. Jiffy Lube is a franchise, yeah. um, which I imagine a person could decide they want to become a franchiser of that. Um, and the low end starting point is $221,000, and the high end point is uh, $400,000. Um, so that's interesting, Malcolm. Do you know or have any association with people that own franchise a franchise? I actually have a friend. Well, I have a couple friends um, who I just realized as I was saying that are in competing business. Mm -hmm. I have a friend from high school who owns a handful of Jersey Mike's wow. uh, franchises. Okay. Um, and I, I, when I run into him, I don't ask him his you know business, but seems to be doing well. Every time I talk to him, they're opening another one. Oh wow! And then I've got another friend who actually owns a chain of Subway restaurants. She's a little bit older than us, but she's actually now at the point where she's looking at getting out. Oh, wow. Like, she's done enough already in that time, and, you know, she's like, there hasn't been a day that's gone by in the last 10 years mm -hmm. that I haven't had on a subway uniform. Oh, wow. In one place or another. Wow. Because Pennsylvania to Maryland, she's got, like, 10 restaurants. Oh, wow. And so it's interesting that you don't think about that, right? As a Domino's or Papa John's franchisee, you save money on overhead like you mentioned by not having too many employees or you save your own time by hiring more employees or whatever right but then that means you've got to be there tossing those pizzas around or flipping right. burgers or making sandwiches or whatever right so there's the trade-off right am i willing to pay somebody else for their labor right. and make less or am i gonna go be hands-on in this work. business doing the grunt work mm -hmm. and uh you know be tired at the end of the day every day right. i'm sure there's a happy medium somewhere right but um that's an interesting trade-off that you've got to also figure out in that equation right i met i have a classmate or a young lady who i went to school with who is opening or just opened her 7-eleven franchise mm -hmm. um and I've, I've only followed it casually off of like her linkedin post i was like mm, she's younger than us mm -hmm. so it's like oh this is something that people can, can do um, you know who else is a franchisee that you probably never really consider that way but they are who realtors uh they lease the name and and uh platform and and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. from whoever the company is the overarching company right but they essentially work for themselves you know make their money and right. give some back to the house right they're franchisees right. essentially that you just probably never even think of kind of like me driving past jiffy loop <laughs> and not thinking about them as a franchise indeed indeed is there something that people miss about the fact that doing franchises is an opportunity to be an entrepreneur. Like, I feel like that connection is not always made, certainly not in this era of like Instagram entrepreneurship. Right, because there's nothing cool about making sandwiches at Subway. Right. Like, you could have an MBA from Wharton. Mm -hmm. If your classmates walk into your Subway restaurant on their lunch break and see you making sandwiches the perception is oh man this person fell off <laughs> and so the the willingness to go be the person making sandwiches right 
I'm picking on Subway, but you know what I mean. Like, or changing oil at Jiffy Lube, whatever. The perception, I think, is people will think something's wrong with me right. if I go do that business that is, you know, considered a service business that everybody doesn't desire after they've reached a certain level of education or whatever else. Right. That, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. There's nothing sexy about it. I can post on Instagram and get right. 200 likes immediately. Right. So now I'm not interested in it. <laughs> It's interesting. Um, another question for you: um, You're as a as a licensed financial advisor. Have you ever seen, or does it would it make sense in your mind for somebody to take? Let's say you got like a windfall of you know money from like a grandparent that passed away, mm -hmm. and you were like, how can I invest this money or a portion of this money? Would franchising make sense, or have you known anyone who did a franchise as as particularly as an investment? So as you were talking, you just reminded me of a. a ridiculously interesting interaction I just had recently. Mm -hmm. So UPS store is also one as an option on this. Oh wow. So I went to ship off a package at a UPS store a few weeks ago. Uh -huh. I'm talking to the guy behind the counter. Turns out he's the owner. Oh wow. So he and I start talking more. Turns out he's an MD. Okay. He's a, a medical doctor wow. by trade. <laughs> Doesn't practice anymore. Okay. Because his grandfather passed away, mm -hmm. left him some money, wow. and he decided he didn't want to be dealing with blood and guts and right. life and death anymore and the sure. stress of 70-hour work weeks. Mm -hmm. He took some of the money his grandfather left him, started a UPS store, wow. and now makes the same money running the UPS store wow. that he was making as a physician. And this is, I think he said he's like three years into owning the, the thing. Isn't that something? So, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's an option that could and should be considered. Right. Um, and frankly, like in my mind, as I, the reason this kind of like was on my radar is like as I think about things to do in the future, mm -hmm. I'm like, why couldn't I own like three or four UPS locations and right. just, you know, I'm there part time and right. the store runs itself. Everybody knows what UPS does. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have to do the advertising and the marketing and everything else that goes into starting your own business. Because the making, company does that for right. you. Right. People already know what it is. Right. I don't have to tell you to come to McDonald's. You see the <laughs> yellow M on the street and right. you drive in. Like, right. it does the work. Right. So all I really have to do is manage the product, right. not get sued, right. and I had a good year. Like, you know, so <laughs> indeed, something indeed. to think about. The final question uh, before we close the show, Malcolm, what are some things that people have to consider if they had that chunk of money and they were considering, you know, doing the franchise thing. What are some things people have to do to like make sure they're picking the right one and doing it the right way in your mind? In my humble opinion, uh -huh. it needs to be something that you actually are interested in doing. Okay. Because we started off talking about folks ghosting their employee employers, right? right. Think about you get a phone call or an email at nine o'clock in the morning that the store is not open. Ah. And why is the store not open? Oh, because Ben decided he's not working here anymore. Right. What's your contingency for that? As the owner of the franchise, your contingency is, well, yes, I'm working today. <laughs> so how much would I hate to work at? I'm going to use Baskin Robbins, for example. Don't right. care too much about ice cream. Right. How much would I hate to be in there scooping ice cream for the two months if I, it takes me to replace the person that just ghosted me? Right. And that's probably going to happen to me two or three times this year. Right. But if it's a thing like uh, GNC, for example, let's say I'm really into health right. and fitness. care more than I actually do about <laughs> my own health and fitness. Right. I don't mind going to GNC whenever I need to step in and you right. know help out and make sure that things are running smoothly right so 
I probably make more because I love the product, love the lifestyle, love what I do, versus if I just go grab something because it was an easy thing to get into or, you know, it was the lowest cost of entry or, you know, whatever. Right, right. Some other quick things to think about when you're uh, considering franchises or if that's something you're interested in. Research, research, research. Um, that's the number one thing that you have to do. Um, figure out what's going on. You can't open a McDonald's across the street from another McDonald's, so that's number one. Um, you also have to consider real estate, the cost of real estate, the yeah. building that you're actually operating out of. Is that something that you feel like you can afford? Obviously, you have to check the business model of what you'd be taking home. I, I know McDonald's McDonald's is make a lot of money per day, uh, but you still got to consider Eventually. those things. Eventually. What are you going to do the first few years when you don't make any money? Right. Um, then you also have to consider the local market, um, local competitors, as I mentioned, um, the history of the brand, need for service in the area. Um, and then also you have to research what kind of franchise are you be working with? Um, and then what kind of assistance does the franchisor provide? You don't want a franchisor who's just like, here's the keys, right. I'm out, pay your fees and I'm out. Because there are franchisors like that. Um, and start by knowing your end goal and how long it will take to get there. Malcolm, you mentioned the young lady who has 10 subways up and down the East Coast. She's talking about getting out now. How long right. has she been doing it for? 10 years. 10 years. So she had a plan, she executed, and now she's considering getting out. Um, so anyway, at th with that, I think we'll close the show, Malcolm. Uh, we're at the second to last show before the change of the year. Yeah. I feel like we can reflect on the next show. Um, but until then, I want to remind people you can always catch past episodes of Manage Your Damn Money on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Of course, please, please, please leave us a review on any of those platforms. That helps more people catch our show um, and lets people know what you think of this show. Of course, if you have a question for us, send it to us, info at managerdamnmoney.com. You can always catch us on social media. My handle is at MYDM with a one. Malcolm, what's yours? Uh, at Malcolm on Money. And that's on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can always catch us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Money. Thanks to our friends and partners here at Montgomery Community Media for another great show. Until next time, be good with your money. Peace. Peace. Peace.